just make sure that you're faithful. Make sure you're reaching out to the people in your sphere of influence. When you do, the gospel will spread, Jesus will be glorified, and you can rest assured that he will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. For many of us, sharing our faith is hard. We feel like we need a much deeper understanding of the Bible, or we need to be more effective communicators. But Jesus shows us the perfect way in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. That's where David takes us in the second part of his message called, God Uses Us All. Here's the truth. When people die, they're going to appear before the Father, and they're going to appear as either forgiven or unforgiven. If they're forgiven, they are entered into eternal life with the Father forever. If they're unforgiven, if their sins persist, the Father must reject them from His presence. As the perfect, pure Father of the universe, He must reject them from His presence. So Jesus is the Lamb of God who forgives us of our sins, who took all of our sins upon Himself on that cross and forgave us of those sins by grace through faith, not of our works. So John the Baptist, with two of his disciples, points to Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now, the two disciples in verse 37 heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Now, this is extraordinary. We men need to be more like John the Baptizer. Not that we should go into the wilderness and eat only locusts and wild honey and have strange attire. We just need to be godly men. We need to be sold-out men of God. But we also need to be humble men. Remember in last week's message, uh, John said about Jesus, I'm not worthy to tie and untie his sandals. I'm not even worthy to be the most menial servant with Jesus. He is the greatest of all. He existed before I ever existed, even in eternity. He points to Jesus being the second person of the Godhead. And so here, John is also shown to be humble. He has followers of his own. He has two great disciples who are very close to him, yet he points to Jesus and said, this is the Lamb of God, and they started to follow Jesus. You know, John the baptizer wasn't interested in the number of followers he had on social media. He wasn't interested in the number of people who came to hear him preach. That was not his idol. His idol was to point people to Jesus, that's all. And even if it meant risking two of his best followers, and they left John the baptizer and began to follow Jesus. In verse 38, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher. So, so Jesus must have had some kind of rabbinical training. Uh, in that day, uh, people would oftentimes hear someone teaching and would choose to follow him because of the way they loved his teaching. So they had heard Jesus teach probably, that's why they called him rabbi. Where are you staying, they asked. He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where Jesus was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. So, so they went and they sat with Jesus, probably ate with Jesus until four o'clock in the afternoon. Jesus just simply invited them to come, sit with him, listen to him, talk with him, no pressure, you guys just come and see. So as we have John the Baptist being one who says, behold, the Lamb of God, that's one way you can point people to Jesus. Another way is just to say to people, come and see. 
Just, just come and see who he is. Come to a worship service. Um, come listen to some of the things that some of our teachers at Moments of Hope Church have taught. Uh, come read some of David's blogs every week. Uh, we have something that's available now online where you can have access to all the things I'm writing and teaching. Maybe send that to people. Just come and see. Explore for yourself. Take your time. And that's what happened with these two disciples. We know one of them, we'll see in a second, his name was Andrew. The other was probably John, the disciple whom Jesus loved for. Throughout the Gospel of John, John seldom ever mentions his name. He just refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And here we have John not mentioning his name either, but he most assuredly was one of the first couple of disciples to come and follow Jesus. Verse 40, one of these two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41, he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means the rock. Now, this is so interesting because right after Andrew starts to follow Jesus and sits and listens to him until four o'clock in the afternoon, the first person he wants to meet Jesus is his brother, Simon Peter. Now, here's family evangelism, folks. You know, in this sixth degree of separation, we all have family and friends and acquaintances whom we know, and if we really love Jesus, often we want our family members to know him first. So here is Andrew who comes and knows Jesus, then goes immediately to his brother, Simon Peter, and says, we found him. We have found the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. And so interestingly, Peter comes to Jesus through Andrew, and you're going to see throughout the Gospel of John, Andrew is constantly bringing people to Jesus. He gets this whole idea of evangelism being the urgent and primary task of the church. And so Jesus looks him in the eye and says, you know, you're Simon. Uh, Simon Bar-Jonah is what his name is in another place in the scripture, and that means son of Jonah, but the word Jonah can also mean dove. You're kind of son of the dove. Jesus looked at them and said, you know, your name is Simon. You're the son of wishy-washy because have you ever seen a dove fly? They dart back and forth and everywhere. He says, you know, you're a pretty wishy-washy guy right now, Simon. That's your name right now. But after you really come to know me later on, your name's going to be Rocky, you know? Is this, it's like you're gonna be a, a WWF fighter. You're, you're gonna turn into this strong new fighter for me and, and people are gonna nickname you Rocky. You're gonna be the initial Rocky of all times and you're gonna be the one on whom I really build my entire church. Your faith and your testimony of faith in me is gonna be so strong I'm gonna build upon you other people who will believe like you believe as well. You're gonna be called Cephas, the Rock, Peter. And that's what Jesus does with so many of us folks. You know, you look at your life and you think, man, how could Jesus love somebody like me? And the truth is he loves only people who know their screw-ups, only people who know their wishy-washy, only people who know their son of the dove, who 
go back and forth and aren't, aren't ever totally convinced to follow Jesus as they need to be. But over time, folks, if you just continue to devote yourself to him and you choose to follow him, over time, he'll change your name from wishy-washy to warrior. He'll change your name from wimp to rocky because that's what he wants to do for all of us. We need more people like John the Baptist as men. We need more people like Peter who took strong stands for Jesus and loved him even until their dying day. So let's keep moving on. After Simon Peter comes to faith in Jesus, then verse 43, the next day after Simon Peter comes and visits with Jesus, Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip's an interesting character. Philip is the only one of the 12 disciples with a Greek name. And I'm sure that Jesus chose Philip because he had a heart for the Greeks to know the gospel and Philip would have a natural way of reaching them because of his background, probably an understanding of their culture. So Jesus calls Philip and just says, follow me. And Philip follows Jesus. And it says in the text that Jesus was in Galilee when this happened. And you know, it seems like that Philip lived in the same area as Simon Peter and Andrew, so they probably knew each other. So as they're following Jesus and he just simply says to Philip, follow me, uh, Philip looks and says, oh, there's um, Simon Peter and there's Andrew. I know those guys, they're, they're legit. And so he drops everything and starts following Jesus as well. So do you see the continuation here from John the Baptist to Andrew and John who start following Jesus to uh, Jesus then reaching out to Simon Peter and now Simon Peter and Andrew are following Jesus and Jesus says now to Philip, follow me and Philip starts following him. Now verse 44, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So you see now Philip reaches out to his friend Nathanael and says, we have found him. This Jesus is the Messiah. So that's friendship evangelism. You see family evangelism. Now you see friendship evangelism. And Nathanael is invited now to start following Jesus. But look at his response. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, in case you don't know, Nazareth was a backwater town, kind of a Hicksville, USA kind of town, and not much ever good came out of Nazareth, people thought. And Nathaniel said, certainly not the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ comes out of Nazareth. A lot of skepticism there. Philip said to him, come and see. So for those of you who have spiritual skeptics, again, just say, come and see. Uh, come listen to some messages. Come and watch online. Come read this material. Just, just come and see, explore. And if you will, you'll begin to see the truths of who Jesus is start opening up to you. Well, verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Um, so. Philip invites Nathaniel, another name for him, by the way, in the New Testament is Bartholomew. Uh, he comes to Jesus and Jesus looks at him and says, there's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Uh, there's no guile whatsoever. I mean, Nathaniel was the kind of guy you could have thrown a surprise birthday party for. And no matter how many hints he could have seen, he didn't see them. Uh, he had no guile, no deceit. He just was honest, trustworthy, open. He's the kind of guy you'd want to be your best friend. That's who Nathaniel was. And Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered him, 
Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Uh, so Jesus had a supernatural discernment of Nathaniel, seeing him under a fig tree, which was commonplace in that day for students of the scripture, and Nathaniel probably was one. He was looking forward to the Messiah. He was probably reading from uh, the Old Testament text to try to hear something from the Lord regarding the coming of Messiah, who it would be, the anointed one of God. And Jesus said, I, I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you studying the scripture. And Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. Because there was only one way Jesus could have known that Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree contemplating the idea of who Messiah was, and that was because Jesus was given a supernatural word of knowledge, a word of wisdom from God about Nathaniel, and it convinced Nathaniel that he truly was the son of God. And you're gonna see throughout the whole Gospel of John Two terms used about Jesus, son of God and son of man. That's because he was perfectly divine, son of God, perfectly human, son of man in every possible way. Well, here Nathaniel realizes he is the son of God, a divine figure. You are the king of Israel. Again, another term for Messiah. He's coming to recognize who Jesus is. Verse 50, Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So it could well be that when Nathaniel was under that fig tree, he was studying the story of Jacob and how Jacob had a vision of God and how angels were coming down to him on a ladder from heaven and then going back into heaven. And that's when God changed his name from Jacob, which means trickster and shyster, uh, to Israel, which means prince of God. God's always in the business of changing names, folks. You don't have to stay who you are. You can always know the power of the redemptive love of God to forgive you of your sins and make you into a new person. He did with Jacob, who went from trickster to prince of God. He did it with Peter, who went from wishy-washy to warrior of God, to the rock of God. He can do the same with you. And Jesus, I think, saw Nathaniel studying that part of scripture. And he says, you know what? There's gonna come a day though, Nathaniel, when it's not gonna be angels descending and descending on a ladder from heaven. I'm gonna be the one who's come down to you to forgive you of your sins. And I'm gonna go back to heaven and wait for you to come home to be with me. You're gonna see greater things than even this vision as you follow me. You're gonna see miracles upon miracles. And this is another form of evangelism, folks, that can and should happen in the church today. Miracle evangelism, that we would see greater things than these. We would see God heal people. We would see God open barren wombs and give babies to those who desire that to happen. We're going to see God give supernatural wisdom and knowledge to people about certain aspects of their lives and help convince them that Jesus really is the Lord. Because in this culture that's becoming increasingly dark, where you're seeing Groups of high-tech companies, for example, almost form oligarchies, a few controlling the many with what they want information to come. We're gonna see more and more the church needing to transcend all of those human, man-made, institutional powers and operate in the fullness and abundance of the risen Jesus Christ. And when that happens, when we see greater things than these, the church will operate with such power. People will want to come to know Jesus because their lives are living in such darkness. So. 
My point in doing these verses for you today again is, did you notice the sixth degree of influence? How one person shared with another person who shared with another person who shared with another person, and then the gospel starts to spread all throughout the world in a powerful, abundant way. Here's the bottom line. You have your own degrees of influence. You have family members, you have friends, you have acquaintances. And if you'll just share with them the Jesus you know, you don't have to explain everything to them. What you can tell them though is once I was wishy-washy and now I'm a rock. That, that once I was a wanderer and a trickster, now I am a prince or princess of Israel, the one God of the universe. When you change, share your life story and how God has changed you, nobody can refute that. Just be faithful in the sharing of the gospel. Reach out and make sure that you share verbally this gospel message. Make sure you point people to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Remember, you're in sales, God's in management. It's not your responsibility to bring anybody to Jesus. It is your responsibility though, as the church of Jesus Christ, to make evangelism the urgent and primary task of the church. So please do so. You can go to momentsofhopechurch.org and you can find ways there that you can Share with people things that I've said other people have taught and allow them to know the living Lord Jesus Christ. Just make sure that you're faithful. Make sure you're reaching out to the people in your sphere of influence. When you do, the gospel will spread, Jesus will be glorified, and you can rest assured that he will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. To Jesus alone and always belongs all the glory. Amen. Father in heaven, use these words in your way. Help us all be faithful to proclaim the gospel to whomever we need to in our spheres of influence. And as we do, we'll start seeing the gospel ripple outward to affect many people's lives being changed for you. It's in Jesus' wonderful name that I pray this. Amen. David and I discuss ways each of us can build a strong, personal relationship with God. We'll be right back. I'm Mark McManus with Moments of Hope Church's Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. With me in the studio today is Tony Marciano, Executive Director of the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Tony, tell us about the Charlotte Rescue Mission. Mark, at the Charlotte Rescue Mission, everything we do is about transformation. With a focus on individuals struggling with addiction, we uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause. And we accomplish that by providing professional, Christian, residential recovery services free of charge. Now let me back up for just a moment and explain all that to you. When I say the word transformation, I get those marching orders from John 6, very interesting chapter of the Bible, where on day one, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. That night, the disciples float across the lake. Jesus follows them by walking across the lake, and the next day, the crowd gets in boats and follows them. But on day two, Jesus chooses not to feed them and begins to preach at them and they all leave. I think in that one chapter, it's the heart of God for the poor, where God says on day one, I love you so much, I accept you just as you are. But day two, God is saying, I love you too much to leave you there. And that's the hard work of transformation that we focus on every day at Charlotte Rescue Mission. I mentioned we uniquely work from the inside out to address the root cause, and that root cause is shame. Guilt is when I make a mistake, but shame says I am a mistake. And if you knew me, you wouldn't like me. And if God knew me, God wouldn't like me. And then I wrapped it up by saying we address this by providing professional, free, 
Christian Residential Recovery Services. I like to use the verses out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, where the Apostle Paul says that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth. And verse 19 says, And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Mark, I believe firmly that when someone realizes that God's love is four-dimensional, not three-dimensional, not conditional, but unconditional, when they have that aha moment that God loves them, all the shame in their soul goes away because they know they are fully accepted by God, not for what they've done, but simply because God loves them. And that's what we do every day at Charlotte Rescue Mission. Love to have you get involved. Please go to our webpage, charlotterescuemission.org, for ways that you can impact the people we serve. Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, in your morning e-devotion series called My Personal God, you've been talking about the personal names of God found in the Bible. And one of those was My Delight. Will you share with us about that? I will, Jen. Interestingly, King David, in all of his psalms that he wrote, has numbers of times he calls God my something or another, like strength, shield, hope, rock. And one of those is my delight. And I absolutely love that. Psalm 16.3, David calls God my delight. Now, think about that. When you delight in something, mm. you're having fun. Yeah. You're laughing. You're giggling. You're enjoying the moment. So that suggests to me that God should be our personal joy, happiness, fun, giggle, Mm. and delight, that that God is a God who isn't sour and dour in heaven. He's not a, a legalistic, demanding God in heaven. Who he is is a personal loving daddy who loves to be a part of his children's lives. And every good daddy and mom out there as well loves to tickle their kids and see them giggle. They love to see their kids having a really good time. They delight in their children's delight. So in a real way, God just wants us to enjoy this life. He wants us to have fun. He wants us to laugh. He wants us to giggle. That's who our God in heaven is. And when we delight ourselves fully in the Lord, God has promised that he will give us the desires of his heart. That's Psalm 37, 4. And then we're able to live an abundant life fulfilled with all of the joy that he has placed within us. God loves to fill our minds with joyful, pleasing, laughter-filled thoughts. It's our daddy in heaven who came up with the idea of a sense of humor. Mm. Uh, if, If you look at some of Jesus' teachings in the Bible, you'll see that oftentimes he does so with a giggle. Uh, He looks, for example, at the illustration of a camel passing through the eye of a needle being like a rich man entering the kingdom of heaven. Well, we've gotten so sour with that interpretation. We think, oh, rich people can't get into heaven. But what Jesus was doing was doing an hyperbole, an exaggeration to show it's not impossible. It's just hard for people who love money to get into the kingdom of heaven. And I'm convinced when he used that illustration, the people around
around him laughed because mm-hmm. they knew that God had a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And conversely, we don't have any right to be sour or dour. No, God wants us to live with a joyful heart and delight in him, laugh in him, have fun with him. So let me ask all of our listeners right now, do you know the Lord as your personal delight? Well, if not, pray to him today this prayer. Lord, I want to know you as my personal delight. Help me find joy from within as I delight myself in you. Remind me to laugh often and to giggle a lot. Lead me to an abundant, joy-filled life, for you came to give us life and to give it to us abundantly. One of the ways we can know that is by knowing you personally as my delight. Everyone delight yourself in the one who delights in you. And when you do, you'll laugh a lot, you'll giggle a lot, you'll have fun a lot. Joy will be a part of your life as God is my personal delight. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing these truths with us. And everyone, would you just laugh along with God and enjoy this life to the full? He wants you to do so. And as you do, life becomes filled with His abundance like never before. And if you would like a daily e-blast from me, these written Moments of Hope, please go to momentsofhopechurch.org. You can subscribe there to these daily e-blasts. They'll arrive in your inbox at 7 a.m. It's for my heart to yours free of charge for the purpose of daily giving you a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message on the Gospel of John is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. And also check out our Hopecasts. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking that you continue to pray for the frontline healthcare workers in our community 